Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome into the Hoist the Colors podcast. We are back. It is Tuesday night. It is not Monday night, but hey, we had to postpone. We had a we had a family emergency. I'll put it that way uh, last night, so I had to postpone. But we're here, and we're here ahead of an ECU game. Pirates taking on Old Dominion on Wednesday, then hosting Memphis for a three game series ahead this weekend, and. Scott, Scott, I almost called you Scott Wagner. Uh, that would have been interesting. Scott, you guys got married over the weekend, so. I took his name. <laughs> Scott Lurbatcher, uh, Cincinnati fan, Cincinnati Reds fan, mm-hmm. and uh, not really a Bearcats fan, although they did resemble once again the Reds this weekend. And uh, Jonathan Wagner, who's multitasking with the Carolina Hurricanes, who are still kicking kicking some ass, right? That's right. Six one. Third period just started. I'm feeling good. All right. So unless they uh, unless they they choke away, give up another eight spot, they should be up three to one heading heading back home. All right. So I'm dealing with some new equipment. Uh, it's it's weird, guys. I got to look this way to see you guys. So if I'm looking, if it, if it feels like I'm looking away from you, I'm actually looking at you. <laughs> but things are weird. Okay. Setting up the home studio for the 94.3, which you can see behind me. But this is the Hoist of Colors podcast. As always, we are live on YouTube, live on Facebook. Drop your comments in the section. We'll get it, as always. And today's theme is pretty simple. We're assessing ECU's hosting chances. There are games ongoing on Tuesday night. Scott's got his scoreboard pulled up. We'll reference some of those scores. We got the latest RPIs. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the week ahead. Let's start first, guys, with the week that was disappointing loss to North Carolina, but then a big-time rally over the weekend with the sweep of Cincinnati. Speaking of rallies, they, they rallied and won the third game over the Bearcats on Sunday, and the difference between a sweep and winning two or three was so huge. So, Jonathan, we'll start with you, then we'll get you know Scott's take just on the weekend that was, how big that was for the Pirates. Yeah, it, it was big, and again, not even just the weekend, but even the the midweek loss to UNC I thought was encouraging. You know, it was a two to one. It was a pitcher's duel. And I mean, I love watching pitcher's duels, but I think you might look at the box score and think, oh, ECU's offense, you know, still stinks. But I don't think that was the case. I think ECU had great at-bats throughout that game. When they got on base, they looked like they were back to ECU. They were stealing bases. They were playing their style of baseball. And even though it didn't reflect in a win on Wednesday, it did reflect over the weekend 
The offense played very well the entirety of the weekend. The pitching staff was good. The bullpen especially I thought pitched very well this weekend. So it just it just felt like a return to ECU baseball, and it really couldn't have come at a more perfect time. Scott, your take on the week that was. Yeah, um, you know, sweep is always better than and a two-game uh, series win. And if you look at with the Houston game against Wichita, that series finally getting canceled. Now EC was just a half game back, just needing to win one more than Houston the rest of the way to win the conference. Um, so that's huge for us. That was actually probably best-case scenario for the Pirates is that game getting canceled um, because then Houston couldn't get a win and effectively be up a game and a half. So that's great. Um, Cincinnati also rallied tonight to beat Xavier. So that's a, a seven-point RPI win for us. Um, but you need to be Cincinnati fans the rest of the way. Um, having swept them, um, those six wins um, are your when they win because we played them six times and won all six is weighted heavily um, in the RPI for us. So big win for them tonight uh, across their crosstown rival and. Um, you know, big three wins for us up there. Probably our last three times we ever play on that horrible, horrible field. Um, and that disgusting looking mound that has the worst looking rug I've ever seen as a landing service, uh, surface. Um, maybe play them again in the uh, in the conference championship, uh, or the conference tournament, but uh, 12 straight victories over the Bearcats. So that's a big one, too. Yeah, they won the initial game last year. And the sky was falling at that point. And then since then, ECU has won 12 in a row, obviously won five, and then beat him in the conference tournament and then won six this year. So the ownage of the Bearcats of your beloved Cincinnati baseball team continues, Scott. I'm sorry. Um, it was a tough Sunday for the Reds too, right? Yeah, I think they gave up 11 runs in the second inning. Um, they are winning right now. And I, I'm at one point, I don't know if this is still true, but amongst our three baseball teams, I believe they had the best win-loss record, which is to say they um, were the fastest turtle. So. <laughs> yeah, it's sad times, uh, especially when your team has expectations like the Seattle Mariners. Uh, don't get me started. All right. Um so Chuck in the comments section, guys, he says D1 has ECU with the number 14 host seed. Is that – is he referencing the rankings? Yeah, I think that's just the rankings. They haven't released their um, – the weekly um, uh, field of 64 yet. They, they usually do that Wednesday morning. Um, and if you come over to the message board after it's released, I'll have for you, you know, our record against the field, all that kind of stuff too. So be sure to check that out tomorrow. Yeah, good stuff, as always, from Scott on the site. Butner Pirate 25, he's been doing it a couple of years. And I'm liking the tweet, Scott. I've been seeing a little bit more analysis uh, with the Twitter machine and really enjoying it, man. So you're yeah. doing a great job. Any, All right, before we get into kind of ECU's hosting chances, are you doing any legit scoreboard watching tonight? I know you mentioned the Cincinnati game, but were there any other games that really you know, affect ECU that are ongoing as we sit here at 9.08 Tuesday night uh, that you're watching? So North Florida was up on South Carolina. That game is in a lightning delay. Um, Memphis and Mississippi State. Memphis is at Mississippi State. Um, that game is also in a delay. Um, but Memphis had first and third in the third inning with runners on the corners and nobody out. So 1-1 uh, game. So, you know, maybe the, the Tigers can take a lead give themselves a, an RPI boost before, you know, hopefully we sweep them uh, this weekend. 
Uh, Oral Roberts is at Wichita State. Oral Roberts has like a 20-1 and conference record right now. So um, that would be a big game for Wichita State. Um, I don't know if I have – so on just for you guys that don't know this, on the Warren Nolan site, you can actually customize your scoreboard each morning um, and have all of your games that you want to keep an eye on. Um, I don't think I have a Missouri State game on here right now, but keep an eye out for Missouri State. Um, they uh, have Indiana State at the, the last weekend of the year. They're on the road this weekend and then have Indiana State coming to them. Indiana State is like a top 10 RPI team. So hopefully we can get Missouri State back in the top 50. Maybe they can win out and uh, get us a three-game sweep over a top 50 team. Um, for our resume. Uh, and Duke lost a rider tonight. I saw somebody mention that in the comments, but uh, they had bases loaded with one out, bottom of the ninth, lost two to one. So I think they to, play again tomorrow. So To Ryder Giles? What did you say? To Ryder Giles? No, just Ryder, the Broncos, I believe, oh, is okay. Ryder's mascot. That's tough. That's tough to always lose yeah, to uh, the Ryder. Is it the, is it the Bronx or the Broncos? It might be just Bronx. I think you're right. I don't know why I know that, or maybe I'm wrong. Um, Christian Bateman says Indy. He says Indians beat 12th ranked Louisville. I'm guessing he means Indiana. Um, I think Louisville was playing uh, Vanderbilt tonight. So, yeah. Christian, what sport are you watching, man? <laughs> <laughs> Vanderbilt Louisville is tied in the bottom of the ninth, eight to eight. Christian. Let us know what you're doing, man. Are you watching the wrong date? Are you watching the wrong sport? I know that Indiana beat him a couple weeks ago, but that was a that was a while ago. Um, all right. So Sam Anderson says he's checking in from walk-ons in Wilmington. Mike and Michael Allen says I is that the NC State running back slash JH Rose product? Maybe so. He's a, hey, he was a baseball guy, potential two sports two two sports star. Uh, maybe he is, uh, maybe he's checking out the pirates, seeing what his hometown team's doing. Um, again, drop your comments. We'll answer them throughout the show. All right, guys, let's talk hosting picture. And, you know, I was going to make the title assess and ECU's hosting chances slash conference championship chances. And I feel like those two kind of go hand in hand. So I, I don't know. I mean, for me, there's still so much to play for. And unfortunately, the margin for error, I think, is still extremely slim. But as we said last week, as we've said the past few weeks, there's still a path. And I think it involves ECU winning at least the conference regular season title. You know, sweeping Cincinnati allows that to become at least a possibility. Houston will get into. They've got at Tulane and then Cincinnati at home to close out the season. ECU, of course, Memphis and then at USF. My, my question to you guys is, how do you balance, if you're Cliff Goblin, how do you balance the importance of these midweek games, because they're the higher RPI games, but also needing to win the league games? Because to me, if you don't have the conference championship, I think it becomes a moot point. So we'll start first with Jonathan. How do you, uh, how do you try and balance that? Well, I think it's, it's really tough this time of the year just, just with pitching alone because it's it's so hard to manage a pitching staff. And, I mean, we've seen that over the past couple of years. We're seeing that right now with, you know, Trey Savage not being full health. He made his return this weekend, pitched an inning. But, you know, Carter Spivey's in the bullpen now. To me, I, I'm sure we'll get into this later, but I think that really helps his pitching staff. I think it helps the rotation. I think it helps the bullpen. So I think that helps. But it, it's all about pitching. And right now it's it, – it, it is a tough balance because you don't want to – 
you know, and granted, you can throw a guy if you're playing on Tuesday and they can still be available on Friday. They can be available on Saturday. But it, it it's an interesting discussion. You know, Old Dominion, Garrett Saylor start tomorrow. I think that's that was really the only call. And Garrett Saylor's been pitching lights out lately. And so I think that's you hope he goes five. But then after that, it's it's your, I think you have to throw your top guys. You have to win that game. And then over the weekend, obviously, you're going to do what you have to do over the weekend. But then you can, then our good old friend Campbell comes back to town on Tuesday. And to me, that I think that might be the most important. I think that is the most important game left on the schedule. I don't really think there's much of a debate about it. And you got to win that game. I, I'm not saying you're going to go out and throw one of your weekend starters, and which is kind of funny and ironic to say, given it's Campbell. But, you know, at the same time, it – especially with the short week or not the short week, but the early weekend coming up after that, you have Thursday through Saturday leading into conference tournament week. It's managing the pitching staff is very difficult, but to me, it's just, I think you have to try to win every game. I don't think Cliff Godwin is going to, he's never been a guy. He's never watching us around him, focus on the game at hand. And if he needs to pitch his top pitcher, if he needs to pitch Carter Spivey every game, the rest of the year, I guarantee you Carter Spivey will pitch every game of the rest of the year. But in the end, Cliff is going to do whatever he has to to win every game, whether that means throwing all your guys every game, whether that means switching up the rotation again next week. I wouldn't rule anything out. And to me, I think you're at the point where you kind of have to put all your chips on the table and try to get as many wins as you possibly can. Scott, I think you see right now is is four and five top 50 opponents. So that specifically means at least – you know. It, Again, if things staying the same, I think you want to at least get back to 500, which makes that Campbell game big. And, you know, we've talked about it. Maybe one of those other teams like Liberty and Missouri State can sneak up there. But, you know, I don't know if you can count on that. So you kind of have to balance that, too. If you want to be a host, you probably have to have a, at least a decent top 50, top 25 record. So how much do you weigh that in regards to winning that game versus also getting a conference championship? Yeah, I think they're both equally important. I think you could almost make the case that the Campbell game could be an elimination game for a host site. Um, you know, if Campbell has a three-game sweep over us, I know they're all midweek games, and those aren't exactly a true metric on 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 your team. But um, you know, if you're looking at a four and six top fifty record, that's maybe not good enough. I don't know. Let me see what our our quad two record is 11 and seven. So yeah, you're looking at 15 and 13 against top 100 teams. I don't, I don't know if that's a good enough metric for us currently to, to host, but you know, if the RPI is there, maybe it is. So I think they're equally as important. I think as far as Campbell goes, you know, we've played two really close games against them and that hasn't been because we threw, um, you know, be a savage or somebody on a Tuesday night, it's because we, you know, they're we're both really good teams at this point. I think Campbell's already up to top 15 and RPI after their performance today. So um, winning that would be huge and it would be a big boost to our RPI. And, you know, we can't really take any RPI losses right now. Even Elon losing tonight and kind of putting themselves outside of that top 50 possibility is is kind of painful for us as well. Yeah, Johnny Robertson says Elon gave us a fifth quad one win and they promptly lost to Navy, <laughs> dropped to 53. So uh, maybe they can recover. 
Uh, Christian Bateman says, Stephen, hire Scott as your baseball analyst. I uh, would love to. Uh, if somebody will sponsor the show. Uh, nice hoist the colors shirt, by the way, Wags. That's uh, yeah. That's I haven't broken that in a while. I need to. It, it, we were due. Yeah. I was due for the hoist the colors shirt. You know. Do you need a? Uh, do you need a an update? Do I need to send you guys an update? I don't know. I haven't. You know, I got this shirt way back when I was an intern for you, which was three, four years ago. So yeah. I, mean, I wouldn't be opposed to an upgrade. You know. Hey, if we keep Just growing, it, yeah. No, nah, I'll send something your way. Um, you guys volunteer your time for this podcast, so of course I'll, I'll definitely do that. Hey, if we keep growing in subscriptions, maybe we can we can all uh, all go on the the podcast payroll because really I don't make any extra cash off the podcast now. Ninety four three is a different deal now, um, as you can see, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean we kind of volunteer our time, and uh, but luckily we we have awesome fans who who enjoy this. And so we enjoy it, man. I just enjoy talking with you guys about baseball. So that said, NIO opportunities are, uh, are freely available and we get a lot of, uh, a lot of viewership to make it worth your while. All right. Christian also wants to know how about merch for us fans. Yeah. We had a Etsy shop set up. Um, we just had a bunch of stuff going on. I'll try and refresh that to where you can order some shirts and, I've been meaning to upgrade our stock. There's a lot that goes into that stuff, what we're allowed to use, what we're not allowed to use as far as sayings and all that sort of stuff. So we'll try and get that done here in the coming uh, months. You know, when you have a second kid, I, you know, that kind of adds to it as well. Um, Christian, uh, by the way, he says, my bad. That was from a few weeks ago. Talking about the Indiana 12th rank win over Louisville. What are, you, what are you doing, Christian? Are you just like pulling <laughs> scores? Like, where do you even get that from? He hasn't um, refreshed his screen in weeks. Right. He's just, <laughs> just he just pulls up the the baseball scoreboard for uh, our podcast and hasn't updated it since. Um. All right. I'm making sure I'm not missing any questions here. Somebody says Chuck uh, wants to know we're raising money for an indoor practice facility. How about raising money for a hitting coach? Uh, you can ask Cliff Goblin that. Um, next time we get on the Hoist the Colors uh, show, we'll we'll ask Cliff about that because he is the you. hitting coach. Yeah, <laughs> I dare you. I'll tell him that Chuck that Chuck wants to know, and he'll probably respond. Hey Chuck, I'm the hitting coach. You got something to say? Say it to me. That's you know, something Cliff Goblin would say. Um, so guys, w- w- you know, what do you think at this point? Like, what you know, if you had to put a percentage on ECU's hosting chances. Let's say, let's, let's go through this scenario. If the Pirates win the conference championship regular season, split the two midweek games, and I, I guess it's, it's kind of hard to say which one they'd win, which one they'd lose. Um, that probably is at least six and two in the final eight. You know, maybe they run the table, but it's hard to sweep back-to-back-to-back conference series. So let's say they go 6-2. and Let's say they don't win the conference tournament title, but they at least make it to the semifinals. Do we feel like that is enough to host, or are you still leaving too much there? We'll start with Scott. Like, what what would you kind of just ballpark it? I know there's a ton of moving parts. Like, I'm not asking you to to 100% make the call, but what would you kind of say to that scenario? I would say – None of those losses can be to Memphis at home. 
Uh, you can't lose a home uh, if you want to host at this point. Um, I would say it would depend on who we played in the conference tournament a little bit. Um, if you get uh, Wichita and Houston, um, you know, a game against them and a win, that's at least a decent RPI win. So that would help. Uh, I'd probably put that at like 40% to host, to be honest with you. I think we have to go 7-1 and one to get it to 50%. Um, I think if we, we go 8-0 and make it to the semifinals, I think we'll host. I think the RPI will be top 12 or so. I think if we're in the top 12, we host um, an RPI. But, um, yeah, and a little bit is going to depend on where the conference RPI ends up. So right now, uh, the American, the uh, CAA, and Conference USA are all really close in RPI. Um, and you do have some potential hosts there. Um, with Dallas Baptist, who won tonight, and who is a top 20 RPI team. Uh, and then Northeastern was going into the last weekend, but they lost a series to UNCW, so they're probably out now. But uh, And then I guess UTSA could potentially be in that mix. They're kind of on the fringe, and they do still play Dallas Baptist, so they'll have some chances at a, a big RPI boost too. But um, if, if the American in their conference RPI can finish in seventh, if we're the regular season conference champions in the seventh best conference, we have a top 12, top 15 RPI. And, you know, we did well enough where we have a winning record in the conference tournament. I think you're looking at maybe a 15, 16 seed at that point, um, maybe matched up with the wake. Maybe if South Carolina can figure out what they're doing, maybe matched up with them, but doesn't, they're not looking great right now either. Wags, have you done your projections for this week? Or are you still um, waiting on those? Yeah, I have. And for those that aren't familiar, I, I just kind of do it for fun, you know, every Monday. And I don't publish it or anything, but I just kind of do it in my free time. So and so with that in mind, you know, I'm not dividing all of my attention towards this. It's just when I get kind of free time during the workday. But I did. And when I look at it, I think going back to the question, I think six and two, to me, I, I think that's about a thirty percent chance. I think it's you have a razor thin margin of error. I, I don't. I think six and two in semifinals is not enough, even if you win a share, win the regular season. But I think if you win the if you win the regular season, you make it to the championship game. I think your chances are that much better. And obviously, if you win both, I think you're hosting. But it's just it's so razor. Your margin of error. You have no margin of error. You have to be pretty much perfect. And I think you have to beat Campbell. I think you really need to beat ODU. And like Scott said, you cannot lose to Memphis at all because you're going to be penalized RPI-wise for sweeping this weekend. So if you lose a game, you take two out of three, or God forbid you lose the series all together. Obviously, you're out of the picture there. But it's just you look at it, and I think there's so many other teams that are in the same boat. You know, Obviously, nobody else from the American. Everyone else is from a stronger conference, which does not help. But – I think at this point, looking at it, there's probably nine, maybe 10 teams that you could say are a pretty safe bet to host. But after that, it's, you know, seeds 11 through 16, and then pretty much all the two seeds. I think there's a there's really a case for a lot of them to be a regional host. And to me, I had, East, I had ECU as a two seed. I had them, I still have Virginia hosting. I had Virginia as the 15th overall seed, and I had ECU in that regional. And funnily enough, I had Wake Forest taking over the top spot. 
and LSU being the two seed. So patched with that, paired with that super, which would be a nightmare. But you know, it's there's just so many teams. Again, I think there's probably maybe 25 teams right now that realistically there's a path to host. So it's ECU can go eight and zero. They can win the regular season. They can win the conference tournament. But I think to a degree, it still is going to matter what every other team does. And it might be out of ECU's control right now, and that it's frustrating, but you're just going to have to see what happens. I think it's it's crazy to say with only two weeks left, but it's still too early to tell. Yeah, I think to me, the, the only – and I don't even know if it is a sure bet, guys, but if you go 7-1, and one, including 6-0 and oh in the league, and then you win the conference tournament, I think it's going to be hard to say at that point ECU wouldn't host. That would put them at – 41 regular season wins, that would put them at, what, 45 total wins because you got to win, I think, four to win the, the championship. If you do both those things and you sweep both championships, I just – you know, your RPI by, by nature is going to go up. So I think you're probably going to host in that scenario. Again, the chances of all that aligning are not great. Is it possible? Certainly, yeah, if this team plays its best ball, but – um, if those things play out, guys, you think there's any way ECU doesn't host? No, I think we host in that scenario. I think um, you look at a team that's 45 and 13, with you know, at that point could have a top eight RPI because some of those teams that are in the top 10 would be losing in their conference tournaments because they're all in the same conference. Um, you know, same two conferences really with the ACC as well. So. Uh, I think it would be really hard to keep us from hosting. And then the other thing is just, you know, name recognition a little bit, right? You know, we're kind of the the Gonzaga of college baseball, if you if you want to call us that. But um, we've, you know, we've hosted, we've been a successful host where we're selling out our stadium. I think those factors um, matter a little bit as well. And we're we're in a spot where opposing fans can come to to our regional because we do have seating capabilities. You know, if you look at Duke. They're going to put in a bid to host at their home field. They're going to have, you know, fifteen hundred people there because that's how many it holds. So it's, uh, I mean, it's that maybe shouldn't be a factor, but I think it is. I think it is a factor for the committee and something they'll they'll consider. Yeah, and I, last scenario I'll run with you guys, and then we'll move on and answer some questions. Let's say ECU goes seven and one or six and two. But Houston wins either wins out or they go five and one and EC goes five and one and they, you know, end up winning the regular season title, which I think is a possibility. But then EC wins the conference tournament title. Is that enough to make up for not winning what on paper is a really bad league for the regular season championship? Like to host, basically. To me, I think I, I don't that's that's a tough that's a really tough yeah. one. But it's because you. Th- I, I don't know. Personally, I just have that feeling that if even if you don't win the regular season and in this scenario, you're finishing right there. So you're what a half game back. So if you finish half yeah. game back in the regular season and but then you go on to win the conference tournament, I think I, I think that might be enough. But again, it's all going to matter on what happens around you. But to me, just blankly looking at it on paper, I would think that's enough. And I think it might, obviously, you know, the committee is going to look at the whole body of work, but, you know, recency bias paired with, you know, the name recognition, like Scott said, 
you know, ECU will get boosted by that. So I could see that being enough, but it, it really just depends. It's so hard to say, but I would feel, I would feel pretty comfortable in that scenario. There was a year in the American was much better where ECU did not win the regular season. I think it was 2018 and they won. They beat UConn in the conference tournament championship and hosted that year as 13, somewhere in there. Um, so there is a precedent for it, but the league was much better because they had UConn. And I think another team made the tournament that year. Scott, your take on that scenario? Yeah, I think you're really looking at if we don't win the conference regular season but do win the tournament, you're really going to look at what does what does UConn do? Do they win the Big East um, regular season and conference tournament? What does Campbell do? Do they get knocked out in their conference tournament? Um, does Clemson win their last two series and have a good showing in Durham? Uh, same thing with Miami. Um, does Alabama get back above 500 in the SEC? Um, one thing I like to do as kind of just like a, a practice on are we in the hosting conversation or not, um, nobody else had the top 25 in RPI has hosted in, in a long time. So look at the top 25 in RPI and then go through their resumes and say, can I find nine teams that are less deserving than ECU right now? Um, you'll find some, you know, there's NC State in there. They're, you know, under 500 in their league. Um, I would say they're not as deserving right now. Um, Alabama, same thing, under 500 in their league. Uh, Indiana State kind of has a boosted RPI because they play on the road all the time. You know, so there's three, but can you find six more, right? It, it gets tough, you know, when you get down to it. So, you know, they could be very, very close to friends. You know, you're the two in the 16 seed or the two in the 15 seed if they don't have, you know, those little last little separators, right? The, the conference title, the the regular seeders and title, the uh, tournament title. They don't have those things, then you're not you're not having as many you know accolades to go along with your resume. So, I wouldn't feel great if we don't win both, but possible for sure. Yeah, if you want to leave no doubt, win out, win both, and hey, we're I think we're all being Greenville watching some baseball, but. Easier said than done. So we're trying to run through the scenarios, and I get it. You know, there's a lot still to play out. But, hey, we're, we're having a show. We're talking an hour. I think this is a fun discussion. This is this is what we do, guys. This is what we love this time of year, man. It's going to just get better uh, after the Pirates go 4-0 this week. Um, all right, comments. Pirate2031 says, Steven repping the Coastal shirt tonight. Yeah. Um, hoist the chance coming your way along with uh, hoist the controller along with hoist the clunch uh what else did we come up with the other day we were on a roll hoist the, the cooler hoist the cooler hoist the cooler beer pod oh what did, i came up with one too i can't remember it that was uh that was gold you guys um, carry on i'm gonna do some research and figure yeah. out what i said too hoist the controller though nothing will ever top that the gaming podcast for uh, is coming your way at some point uh, new Zelda drops, by the way, this weekend. Uh, can't wait to play an hour of it. Uh, but hey, oh, I got it. I got it. What'd you got? So the the first time we do a live call-in show on Hoist the Colors, we're gonna call it Hoist the Colors. There you go. C A L L E R S. Scott also said Hoist HTC moving Hoist the containers. <laughs> you know. You can't you can't beat it, guys. And uh, I tell you what, <laughs> hoist the collars. <laughs> How often would we, we screw that up? Doing hoist the collars, <laughs> hoist the colors. It's very similar uh, to our boy band show of hoist the collars. 
<laughs> oh man! All right, we'll let me be wrong. Let me th- let me reel this thing back in before we uh, we lose all our viewership. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, I'm a, but yeah, I'm a big Nick Lucky. I'm a big Coastal Carolina guy. Huge fan of uh, Grayson McCall. Um, is he even still there? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he was right. He portaled yep. himself right back to Coastal. It's because he couldn't get into school anywhere else, apparently. Yeah. Allegedly. Uh, I, Christian Bateman says, was Trey Savage pulled after the first just for restriction reason? Yeah, I heard going in, Christian, 35, 40 pitches. He threw 33, so they weren't going to push it. But feels great. He's going to be, you know, he's, he's going to be worked up probably closer to 50 this week. And then probably 60, 70 last weekend conference tournament, 80, 90. And then you're looking at 100 for the postseason, which is kind of the ideal setup. So nothing to be worried about there. Pirate 2031 says 50-50 at best to host. I don't know if he's talking about overall but or one of those scenarios. Um, this is a good one from John. Does the great play of the Carolina teams hurt our chances to host geographically? Somebody else mentioned, and we kind of grouped these together, if Campbell goes 3-0 and against us along with the saturation of host-quality teams in the area, it'd be hard to believe we could host is what the way he drew it up, a.k.a. Buck Wild says. Um <laughs> Thoughts on this? We've had this discussion, guys, but now that we're getting down to kind of the nitty-gritty, it's clear there's going to be a lot of teams in the Carolinas and in Virginia and the surrounding areas that host. And it's hard to imagine, even though the NCAA is not supposed to say, hey, these two teams are close to each other. You know, they're, they're just supposed to seed it. But if they're a committee, like, you have to feel like there's some human element there to where they maybe want to spread them out. So uh, we'll start, Wags, with you. As far as do you think, you know, Campbell being a potential host, Virginia, some of these teams that are on the bubble could affect ECU? Yeah, I think, you know, like you said, the the way it's supposed to work is the committee ranks teams. You start with one, you go to two, you go to three, and so on, all the way to 64. And that's, you know, theoretically how it's supposed to go. But you know, like you said, there is a human element to it. And I think if, you know, you get to a point, I mean, there's going to be a large saturation of teams from this area that are hosting. That's just a matter of fact. And there's really no changing that. And, you know, looking at it, would you say, would that be the reason ECU gets edged out by someone? Well, then I think that depends on who are they going up against. You know, does Dallas Baptist fall? Do they kind of fall out of the hosting picture? Are they on the bubble? Is it between them two? Or, you know, and so forth. You could go through that with so many teams, I think. But, that alone, I don't think that hurts your chances just because in the end, I think, again, we go back to the name brand recognition and we saw what Clark LeClaire Stadium can do. We've seen it over the past few years, but last year especially. So I think if you're down to it, they're not going to hold ECU out of a host spot just for that reason. But, yeah, I mean, it definitely could play into the conversation at the very least. But I don't know. It's, it's tough. I really, I, again, I keep going back to the same point. But I really believe it just comes down to what else happens across the country, who else is in that discussion, because then it becomes a whole different conversation. And also the Canes just took a 3-1 lead, so it's a good night. Canes win, sound the siren. Is that what they say? What do they do with the, the siren thing? They have the siren sounder before every game, you know. It's good. I goes cracking. 
Yeah, the Kraken, man. The Kraken. You want to talk about a good big-time atmosphere? Even better than the Hurricanes. Check out a game at Climate pl- right, Pledge Arena. All right, now. Um, <laughs> let's, let's, let's slow down. <laughs> hey, we'll see you guys in the uh, Stanley Cup Finals. Um, Scott, thoughts on I, – I got sidetracked there. But, uh, oh, yeah, um, Campbell, like – I think at this point Campbell's more deserving as a host over ECU just based on body of work. But the fact that ECU is going to sell a lot more tickets if it comes down to both teams, human element again, maybe that that plays a role in, in favoring ECU. But I think you got to win this this game coming up, along with the other things we talk about to to make that even a conversation. Oh, 100 percent. You know, I think that game matters a lot for who is going to get to host. You know, if we come out and we win, you know, 10 to 5. You can make the argument, well, they beat us twice by one, and then we won by, you know, more than one. Um, you know, but if you look around, I think I think it's one of those things that's definitely going to work itself out because you look at South Carolina right now, they just lost to North Florida, and they're about to go to Arkansas for three games, and they're on a four-game losing streak. Um, if they go – they have an 0-7 stretch late in the season, uh, and then they have Charlotte and Tennessee at home to finish the year – you know, if they go two and nine to end the year and have a week showing in Hoover, they could play themselves right out of it. Um, Clemson, they have two really difficult series left. I think one of them is against UNC. Um, UNC is another team that we have to kind of pull for the rest of the way, unfortunately, um, speaking of geographical uh, teams. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think the committee will put a, a ton of emphasis on – Duke and Campbell not necessarily having the best facilities to host. You saw that with Maryland last year. Um, I think a lot of people thought that Maryland's bid to host would get rejected because they didn't really have video capabilities um, the way that the the NCAA and ESPN want, and then they were able to get it set up in time. So we'll see what Duke is able to do. Um, we were all there, but for the folks that watched us play at Duke, on ESPN plus it was apparently a miserable broadcast so um you know I, I would hope the NCAA if they do allow you know these, these schools to host does force them into saying look you need to have at least 2,500 seats you need to have quality video available you can't just have a one camera from the moon zoomed in on Durham so that people have to watch it from a spaceship like it's that's just not acceptable to me college baseball has progressed too far um for that and I, and I did see something that suggested that if Duke hosts they do it at the old uh Durham Athletic Park not the DBAP but the DAP um where the the Bull Durham movie was filmed so maybe if they do it there that would be kind of a cool site maybe you use the two in Durham and it's at the OG that would be much better than that crappy on-campus stadium where we all might die if we go. Um, so there's no parking. So. There's no parking. There's no seating. There's no press box. There's no bathrooms. Uh, at least last time I was there, I I, I went to uh, to go uh, take a piss pregame, and I had to do it beside a Duke player. So um, let's uh, let's hope that if yeah. Uh, let's hope they've uh, upgraded, or if they do end up hosting, we'll, we'll do a little bit better there. All right, Jackson Bostic says, uh, for what is worth, the needs report from Boys World says we have to win out to get in the top 16 of RPI. Two things I'm no longer referencing, guys, Boys World and Collegiate Baseball. Last week, Boys World, 
said, East Carolina can no longer reach the top 16 threshold. And what do you know? Now they can. What changed? So, I guess other teams? So, one thing with Boys World is it's based off of the team that is currently in that position and their winning percentage, assuming they would win the same percentage the rest of the way, and then comparing that to if your team did XYZ, right? But uh, currently, Boys World hasn't been updated for over a week, um, and it still has us with like 11 games left. So um, we can rule it out for it just not having factored in a whole weekend's worth of information. I'm not sure what's going on with it right now, to be honest with you. And uh, Warren Nolan's RPI is kind of jacked as well. They have a NC State game that we played in Raleigh that is not – factored into ours or NC State's RPI right now, and it is very much reflective in, in our current RPI and NC State's current RPI. But what is going on in RPI there, land in college there, baseball? Are, are Boyd's – hey, is Boyd and Warren, are they on like a vacation or something? Uh, they're, in, just, they're in the Bahamas just chilling. Oh, man. Oh, Boyd and, and Warren. Money. Warren Nolan just living it up, man, living his best life. Not giving a crap about if uh, ECU is missing a loss or so. So, yeah, I think D1 Baseball has got ECU at 22 in the RPI. I think that, at least coming into tonight, was the most updated number. Um, haven't checked it since we started. All right, good number here. Or good question here, I should say. Pirate 2031 again, he says, are we better off being a two seed and not being seeded against a top four team? I believe – he says in the super. So he's saying like, you know, not being a, a number one or a host, I should say. Like if you're hosting as a 15C, if you win, you're probably going to LSU or Wake Forest. So, you know, we, we've we've had this discussion too. I think it's all about matchups, guys. The one year EC won the road regional. They were a three seed. They were matched up with Texas Tech. So they took out the national seed, got a favorable super regional matchup. just didn't work out. So – you know, it's tough to forecast it, but Jonathan, I think it's, you know, if, if you can get a good matchup, yeah, but it's just hard to win a road regional. So it's hard to say, hey, I'd rather be a two, unless you're going to like Indiana State or something where it's a very winnable regional. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we keep going back to it, but yeah, it all depends on the teams around you, who's in that regional, who's in the regional paired with you. And in my projection, I had, again, like I said earlier, ECU is a two seed in the Virginia regional Virginia is the 15th overall seed and it was paired with the two seed LSU. So that's, you know, you, you win that Virginia regional and boom, you're probably going to Baton Rouge and that's tough. But at the same time, you know, it, it might not really matter because you might be hosting as the 16 seed and going to wake forest or still going to LSU, or maybe you move up to 14. You're probably still going to somewhere like Arkansas. So, you know, it's, there's there's really no great scenario there when you're looking at it from that way. But and and if you are a two, you're realistically no matter what happens, I think ECU will be one of the higher end two seeds, which it, it'll depend on you know location a little bit as as to where what regional they're paired in. But you know realistically, you're probably going to be on one of those lower end host teams as their two. So I think it, whichever way you look at it probably going to be facing you're matched up with one of the higher overall national seats if you do advance in the super regional rounds so 
you know, like we always say, let's just let's just win the games, and then once you get there, just keep winning. And you know, it, it's going to be tough either way. It's going to be a tough road if you want to go to Omaha. But to me, I don't see a huge difference between being a low end one or a high end two. Just win. Um, just win, baby. I guess the only thing that you could say is maybe if ECU gets sent to Coastal and they're like an eight or nine national seed, maybe if you win that regional, you get a a more favorable matchup. But it's just, you know, they could end up dropping a few games and maybe they're 13, 14, and then you're in the same conversation. So, um, yeah, it just depends. Uh, The way he drew it up says winning seems to take care of the drama. That's right. We always have higher views after a loss and higher uh, conversation that goes for this podcast, the message board, anything. So people love to get mad. And when things are going well, they don't have anything to say uh, for the most part. The way he drew it up also says, to me, it's got to count for something to be ranked consistently in both the polls and RPI. There are four to five teams that have a higher RPI but worse ranking and vice versa. Has ECU been ranked in the top 16 for the entire season? We are currently at our lowest ranking. So, I mean, to me, I agree. I mean, like, I guess at the end of the day, as I kick my camera, um, I guess at the end of the day, it doesn't have a huge bearing on what the committee chooses, but natural common sense would say, Hey, this has been a top 15 ranked team all year. Why wouldn't they host? But this isn't the common sense. This is the NCAA. Uh, But good point, Drew. I think that's fair. He says, like anything in life, follow the money. ECU showed the NCAA that Clark Clare Stadium is a legit moneymaker. That is definitely the case. And I think that will play, you know, if, if it comes down to ECU as a 15, 16 seed versus another team like Indiana State or Campbell, I think that conversation has to come up, even though they won't admit it. All right, Johnny Robertson says, good point here, and we can talk about the conference championship race real quick, guys. Um, So Houston plays at Tulane this weekend. ECU won two out of three against Tulane, but you look at it, and Tulane has not been swept in conference play all year. That's right, Scott. I think you pointed that out the other day. That is correct. So you have to at least like Tulane's chances at home to steal one. Johnny says Castro, who shut out ECU, killed the Pirates. Now he can help save them. He has pitched well and winning three straight starts. Hopefully he can make it four in a row on Saturday against Houston. And I know Houston has won four out of five against Wichita this year, but to me, Wichita seemed like the much better team when they're playing at their best. I think Houston's gettable. And I think Tulane wins one this weekend. Just you guys' thoughts on the conference championship race. I say ECU probably needs to go at least five and one to to really feel good. Uh, do y'all agree with that? And and kind of your take on Houston and ECU what they have left? We'll start with Scott. Yeah, if you look, uh, Houston hasn't swept anyone either. Um, other than you know they won two out of th- they won two games and didn't play the third against Wichita State this past weekend. Um, but they don't have a sweep. Uh, in conference this year. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure what their record is outside the state of Texas, but it looks like it's a little bit worse than what it is within in the state. So they're going to be traveling. Uh, Tulane, not really any better at home than they are on the road. But 
Uh, they haven't been swept. Uh, and, you know, they showed against us that – and I think Castro was a uh, all-conference – um, not pitcher of the week, but on the, the honorable mention team this week again. So, you know, anytime a starting pitcher can go out there and give you six, seven innings of one, two run baseball, you have a chance to win. And I think, I think Tulane has a very good chance of, of taking not only a game, but the series against Houston this weekend, especially if Houston comes in and looks at the record that Tulane has and misses out on the fact that they played a really difficult schedule this year. And maybe they're more, they're closer to a 500 team than they are a, you know, 250 win percentage that they have because of the teams they play. Jonathan, do you think five and one in conference play wins ECU a conference championship? Yeah, I think that that puts you in a good spot. And again, it's, I, I agree with Scott. I think Tulane is a team that could, you know, come in and steal a couple of games from Houston and if they do that, then I think assuming you take care of business and sweep Memphis this weekend, you're probably sitting in a good spot heading into the final week. So, you know, and going into the week, you know, we were talking, would we rather Wichita win this series? Would we rather Houston win this series? And I, I agree. I think Scott said it earlier, but I think that game being canceled was kind of a blessing in disguise, if you will, just because now – if Houston wins that game, I, I don't think you really can catch up just because it's so tough to make up that kind of ground in two weeks and six games. And so I think that helps. But going five and one and Houston going four and two, three and three, ideally, you, you're going to win it. So, And I, I think that's a very, very real possibility. Uh, Kevin says – we could do super chat for this show and make some dough. YouTube will get 30%, but might work. So I don't know exactly what the stipulations are. If you have to have a certain amount of subscribers where we just crossed 700. I know, I think you have to get to a thousand before you can start making monetary gains on your YouTube channel. And maybe super chat is separate from that, but um, like comment and subscribe people, but we'll look into the super chat thing. Maybe we can get a little bit and I'll give it all to wags and, and Scott, if we can do that. Um, and uh, maybe I'll keep 1%. <laughs> um, but, uh, but nah. All right. JPN says, we win last 12. I think we're in the national host conversation. National host or national seed? Like top eight? I think you would be in that conversation. Uh, but I think that's what he's trying to say. I think he's trying okay. to say top eight. Um, it's a 15-game win streak. Yeah, I mean, it would be similar to last year in a lot of respects. Yeah. So, uh, let's see here. Making sure we don't miss any comments. Uh, Jackson says Campbell's RPI is going to go down some. For some reason, Warren Nolan has one of their losses against Duke is not being played. So, again, yeah, Warren is on vacation this week. Uh, hopefully, he updates it tomorrow uh, at some point. Christian says, is it possible to get a national seed? I think you got to win out or at least – only lose one, win the regular season, win the conference tournament, and even then it might not be enough. So, um, all right, a couple more. We had, we had questions on, on on John Gilbert. So he has been named to the committee. Somebody says that um, he will start training this year, but his active term does not start until September 1st, 2023. So I don't think he's going to have a whole lot of pool this year, but it doesn't hurt. 
and Kerry Overton has great ties to the committee as well. So um, it doesn't hurt, but I don't think it necessarily helps that much. All right, Johnny Robertson, stat guy, comes through with another one. In the past 10 games, the Pirates have only committed two errors. That is the first time that this has happened since 2017. Also, the Pirates have hit 55 homers, with 52 of those coming during wins and only three coming in losses. So, good good stats, Johnny. I got a stat for you. Cliff Godwin let me know on our show last week that ECU is undefeated this season when they score six runs in a game. I think that statistic still stands after this weekend. So, um, yeah, because they only lost a two-to-one game. So, there's a number to watch out for as well. By the way, um, I don't know how they didn't rule the Nowak miss an error. They ruled that a hit, and then they ruled a drop pop-up on the infield a hit as well. So, uh, you know, good stats, but I do want to just throw that in there. I, th- I think ECU still has to play better defense. Um, th- th- quick thoughts on that, Scott, Jonathan, just the defense. Like, you can't keep making the error like like Nowak did, too, against UNC. And, again, he missed one against Cincinnati. Like, that's got to be cleaned up. We're getting to the end of the year where you're playing for a championship. Sure. I'll throw another stat out there. Memphis only has 180 walks that they've thrown as pitchers this year. Um, ECU is, has 151. Um, if you look at Cincinnati, they were they were, they had 50 more in like 30 less innings. So ECU took advantage of being able to get on base via the walk this weekend, uh, this past weekend. So when we go to Memphis, or when Memphis comes to us, I should say, we're going to have to put the ball in play and we're going to have to hit our way on and not just trust that we're going to be able to to use our excellent eyes at the plate to get get on base. I will say the reason I think ECU is so dominant against Cincinnati is because it's a great matchup. A, Cincinnati walks a ton offensively, and ECU doesn't walk a lot on the mound as far as when they're pitching. And then conversely, Cincinnati walks a ton of guys. ECU loves to walk when they're at the plate. So um, – it's something where it's just a great matchup. And like you said, they're going to have to hit the ball this weekend, most likely. Chris says, is Tyler Brott hurt? Not to our knowledge. He just has not pitched very well. And to be honest, guys are just performing better. You know, he, he was great at the start of the year, but not he struggled, he struggled recently. Uh, and then Luke, our last comment that we'll get to our prediction, says, um, Luke Nowak did make up for that a lot more than I thought he would or could. He did make some good plays after that mishap. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy that he bounced back with that. He also points out Cincinnati turf one and 10 against ECU, I think is what he's saying. Or is he asking us to rate the turf? Negative you know? four. Zero. Cincinnati turf one ten. Clarify that statement, Luke, if you will. If I'm um, rating it, it's a negative four at best. And that's been, that's a compliment. Yeah. It's, one minus uh, 10. Just like you said. <laughs> the Pirates won on it, though, so that makes it a 10. It's three it's different terrible. colors. Yeah, he's saying rate it, he says. Yeah. Uh, zero. Yeah. All right, let's make our predictions, guys. Uh, by the way, Wags, did you get one right? Or kind of right? I'm not going to lie. I didn't even. No, I think you had Groves going like six innings. Of one run ball, I think, what it was. So, so He was on track to do it. Yeah, but he got taken out a little early, I think. And, yeah, he got okay. he got pulled after four and two thirds. Yeah, but he didn't okay. give up a run. 
Okay. Well, we'll give me three. Four, we'll give me half credit. He got pulled after like an somebody reached on like an error or something too, right? Like it wasn't like it was really even his fault. So he did. Uh, he did get away with a couple leadoff walks. Justin Wilcoxon again gunning dudes out. Quit running. Keep running. Actually, keep running. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I, I would have liked to see him go a little longer. But you know, the, the the move worked. I mean, EC won the game. They got a great bullpen performance. So I'm not going to criticize the move. Um, all right, we got to talk about this before we make our predictions. I'm sorry. The way he drew it up says I think that Homer rule out is still in the air. Yeah, that ball, man, that ball was freaking <laughs> annihilated. Uh, what's homeboy's name? I remember. Gosh, uh, Tommy O'Connor. Is yeah, that yeah, that's it. I've ne- I don't think I've ever seen a ball hit harder than that one. So, Let's talk about something else with that because Cincinnati had TrackMan data for everything. Well, first off, their announcers could not stop talking about it. Right. But where where is our TrackMan data, and why is that not in front of Coach O? Telling us what everybody's exit velocity is. Yeah. So, like, our, yeah. So, EC's got some managers in the press box that have access to it, but they keep it, you know, they keep it tight. I don't know if that's instructed or they're just not trying to put it out there or what. Um, I would think if the broadcast has the miles per hour like it does now, that that information should be ready, readily available. It's just a matter of whether they want to share it with us or not. But, yeah, that's a valid point. I think it would make the broadcast better. Yeah, he hit that ball so hard that he uh, missed the next two games <laughs> with an injury. Maybe no that's lie. a strategy. That just... dude, I mean, that ball, like, you just don't see guys in college hit the ball like that. I mean, I had to, you know, we're covering ECU, and I had a couple people message me like, man, are you, like, rooting for Cincinnati? Because I kept tweeting about it. I'm like, no, like, you got to recognize greatness when it happens. The dude hit it 470 feet. Like, what are we doing here? But it was, like, a 110 exit velocity or something like that. Yeah, like, yeah. it just like, doesn't happen, man. But to put that in perspective, like, Bryce Harper has, like, single-digit 110-mile-an-hour exit velocity balls <laughs> hitting his career. Like, I don't even know if there's been more than, like, five in the majors this entire season. Like, that's an insane number. Like, it doesn't make sense. And I'm not going to lie, guys. I just – I couldn't quit watching the replay once the uh, Cincinnati tweeted. Like, the sound of the bat was just incredible. Um, But, yeah. All right, EC won the game. That's all that matters. I just love good baseball. I love long home runs, six strikeouts, so I'm not going to hate on greatness. And he, hey, he got hurt, so hopefully he recovers. I didn't see if he was in the lineup or not. But, um, but yeah. All right, let's get to predictions. Let's start with Scott. Scott, you got it right last week, correct? I did. Three, three and one. So let's see if you can follow it up. Uh, you, were, you were right for the first time last week. We make our weekly predictions. ECU at ODU on Wednesday at 3 o'clock and then hosting the Memphis Tigers. Yeah, so ODU facing some travel trouble uh, troubles of their own. Um, we're going up there. We need a road win uh, in the worst way. Uh, you know, we've just got three, but we still need more. So uh, I like our chances in that game. ODU not really playing very well right now either. Um, not sure what their record is in the last ten, but they've kind of taken a step back. Um, and then Memphis is a team. You know, they typically don't play very good defense. Um, they're gonna. They're going to make you put the ball in play, but if you don't play good defense, it doesn't matter if we have to put the ball in play. They have pretty high team ERA, um, team batting average against. So 
I like our chances this weekend to, to really get the ball going. Hopefully the weather's good. Hopefully it's not terrible like it was in Raleigh today. Um, and we're going 4-0 this week. I, too, am going 4-0. Um, I think that I, I think he's going to play great baseball this weekend at home. I think they're going to seize the opportunity. I think they know what's in front of them. It's just a matter of can they win another road game. You know, this would be four in a row on the road. That's difficult to do. Uh, but I'm going 4-0. Oh, I think they gut it out and then play really well at home. Wags, let's, let's first start with your, your record prediction. And you can't go four well, and zero because then you'll jinx it. Well, you know, I hate to like. I thought I was going to be the overly optimistic guy this week, and then you guys both come out and say four and zero. But you know, I don't care. ECU's going four and zero this week. I think <laughs> I apologize to the entire city of it's done. North Carolina. It's done. But like, I just, I, I just feel it. I feel like Garrett Saylor again. I've seen too much from him lately to think he's not going to go out and just shove tomorrow and so i think you you beat odu i think the offense is going to show up the offense has been better and i just i said i think i said last week i had no reason to believe ecu could win three games on the road against cincinnati but it's kind of the same thing right now i have no reason to believe ecu is going to lose a single game at home against memphis so i think you sweep i think you win the midweek you go four and oh and I, I don't even care. I don't even care that I'm jinxing it. It's going to happen. And if not, I do take full blame, even though, you know, it'd be on one of you guys if you were picking last. That's true. We put all the pressure on you. And <laughs> to your credit, you stuck with it. And uh, I give you props for that. Now, let's see if you can actually get a bonus prediction right, 100%, because ever since the Jacob Jenkins Coward pick, <laughs> you've been close, Wags. You've been really close. But can you finish the deal? Well, it's been all downhill from there, and I am going back to a position player, individual pick. And don't worry, JJ, so you're clear this week. It's not going to be you. But unfortunately, I am going to another player who's had his injury concerns. You know, not that I'm really believing myself to jinx this, but I think we haven't seen a home run from Ryan McChrystal in a while. He was in the lineup all three games, and I know saying this too. It could very easily be, you know, someone like Cam Clonch in the lineup all three games of DH this weekend. It it just kind of seems to go week to week. I, Cam Clonch was in the lineup all three games two weeks ago, I think, and this weekend it was McChrystal. And McChrystal, he really ropes some balls. It doesn't show up in the score sheet. But I think he's been swinging the bat better. He's kind of getting back to full health. But I think back at home, the weather hopefully is, like Scott said, good. And I think I think Ryan McChrystal will hit a home run this week. We haven't seen one in a while. I think he only has one, maybe two this year. So this is the week he's back. And hopefully he doesn't go like the last time I predicted someone a homer, which was Riley Johnson, who I think had maybe one at bat the entire week. Well, you continue to go not with the obvious picks. So I feel like it's a fair, fair, fair choice. And by the way, Cam Clonch has overtaken Jake Hunter as the most asked about pirate early in the season. It was everywhere we went. Where's Jake Hunter? Have you seen Jake Hunter? Is Jake Hunter healthy? Now is, is Cam Clonch healthy? Why isn't Clonch in the lineup? Which are, I think are valid <laughs> questions. I would like to see Cam Clonch play a little bit more as well. He had a good at bat off the bench the other day. Didn't get a hit, but fouled off a ton of pitches. So Cam Clonch, maybe he'll take over this week. And you know what? Cam Clonch is going to homer this week. 
I'm calling my bonus prediction All right. Uh, right now. Cam Clonch hits a home run. Uh, Stepping into my territory. Yeah. Look, I need to make a bonus prediction. Yeah. Now, <laughs> go for it, man. If you got one, okay. throw it out there. One of us is going to be right. And UNC both win their series against red teams this weekend. Mm. Okay. Down with red. All I right. know you're a red hater. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that'll do it for the show, guys. We got to get out of here. Um, it was fun to be back. Glad we could do it this week, even though we didn't go on Monday. So appreciate Scott Lorbacher. Appreciate Jonathan Wagner. We'll be back next Monday night is the plan, barring some catastrophe. Luke Dover, by the way, says Memphis's midweek game was canceled at Mississippi State, so I don't know if that's a good or bad thing for ECU. Suspicious. Suspicious. I think so as well. I uh, don't know what the Mississippi weather situation is. But either way, we'll be back next week to hopefully recap the Pirates 4-0 week, as we all predicted. And we'll talk further about ECU's hosting chances if that comes to fruition. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, this has been the Hoist the Colors podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Happy birthday, fellow. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus.